For Wednesday, April 15th, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, Georgia's presidential primary has been pushed back again and again. Voters are being encouraged to submit ballots by mail. The coronavirus has made elections look very different. What we're seeing here in uh, with primaries could be a harbinger of what we could expect a November election to look like if the shutdown is all still in place. Emil Moffitt, who covers voting for WABE, joins me for a look at some of the changes and what they could mean for the general election this fall. That's next. You love free. And at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Georgia's presidential primary has now been delayed twice because of the COVID-19 pandemic. For now, at least, Election Day for the presidential primary, along with state and local primaries, is set for June 9th, with early voting set to start on May 18th. Emil Moffitt covers voting for WABE. He's been watching just how we got here, and he joins me now for more. Emil, we've had some pretty significant changes to when the primaries will be officially held in Georgia. But early voting actually started back in March before this pandemic and before any of these delays were were put in place, right? That's right. People started using uh, the state's brand new voting machines, uh, and they used them for about two weeks uh, in early voting before those enhanced uh, social distancing guidelines were put in place. Uh, In fact, if you did cast a vote back in March, either in person or by mail, Uh, for the March presidential primary. That vote has been saved. You don't have to vote in that race again. But then again, as you mentioned, in the middle of March, it was announced that the primary would be delayed until uh, May 19th at that point. And then on April 9th, as I understand it, the primaries were delayed again for the second time. But but that didn't happen without some drama. It didn't. Uh, As the pandemic worsened, uh, we saw the cases rising in the thousands, everything being shut down around the country and around Georgia. Uh, There were several high-profile Republicans in Georgia, including House Speaker David Ralston and Georgia's GOP congressional delegation, urging uh, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to postpone the election again until June. Uh, He didn't do it immediately, and his reasoning was that he didn't have the legal authority because voting kind of went outside of the official emergency declaration from Governor Brian Kemp. But then once we saw that declaration extended and included the election window, the next day Raffensperger announced the second postponement, which is where we are currently uh, to June 9th. 
These delays, what has really been the rationale for them from the Secretary of State's office? Does it purely come down to not wanting to force voters to make this decision between participating in the democratic process and potentially exposing themselves to this virus? I think that's, um, you know, that's the case. And that is the the main reason uh, driving uh, some of these delays is that uh, in all aspects of life, we're being asked to stay at home to keep our distance. And this being an election year, a very important election year, you have to go through the primary process, uh, getting set for uh, looking forward to November. Um, And so I think there's just a realization that we can't be telling people not to, to go places and not to be around people in one sense, and then saying, oh, by the way, our essential function of democracy, uh, that still needs to go forward, so, so let's go. So, so I think it's a, it's a balance of, of still uh, keeping the, the democratic process going, but at the same time, keeping people safe. Okay, so we're here now. Election day for the primaries is on June 9th. Early voting begins in the middle part of May. That, to me, maybe even seems optimistic. We don't know how this pandemic is going to play out. What precautions are being taken in the event that this early voting May 18th actually happens? They're taking a lot of precautions as far as the polling places go, and it's uh, kind of standard and typical of what you would see in any public place, uh, like a grocery store or whatnot. Um, They're going to employ some extra hand sanitizer, make sure those stations are available um, they want workers monitoring lines to making sure that uh, people are keeping their distance uh, as they wait in line. They'll be frequently wiping down the, the voting machines, the electronic touch screens, uh, and they'll try to space those out, those voting machines out as well, to make sure that, uh, that A, people have privacy, but B, also you're not standing within a few feet of someone else who's voting uh, in that close personal space. And protecting voters is is one thing. What's being done to protect poll workers, the people who are going to be there all day while people are casting ballots? Uh, poll workers have a lot of interaction, a lot of close interaction um, when you sign somebody in, when you help them with the voting process. Um, and if you voted um, at any point in the in the last uh, you know several years, you've noticed that a lot of the poll workers are older Georgians. They're they're retirees, they're senior citizens, uh, and so there's concern there because, as we know, um, people in the older population more susceptible to those life threatening complications. Uh, from the coronavirus. And we saw even back in March when early voting was going on, you started to see poll workers uh, call in and say, I just can't, I don't want to put myself at risk helping people out and working because of the coronavirus. Um, So I think that was part of the reason why you saw that delay in addition to to wanting to keep uh, voters safe. So there have been some efforts to try to recruit younger poll workers. Uh, Secretary of State has said it's working with the counties to do that. Uh, But we'll see uh, what happens as as the time for in-person voting approaches. The Secretary of State has turned to mail-in voting. Absentee mail-in voting is the big push now. And this was actually something that was already in place in Georgia. People could already vote by mail for any reason. But in these unique times, the state has actually made voting by mail a little easier. Uh, They have. They've kind of removed one step of the process. Um, Back uh, a few weeks ago, the Secretary of State uh, took the unprecedented step, at least in Georgia anyway, of actually mailing absentee ballot applications to all 6.9 million uh, active voters in the state. So uh, you may have seen that come in your your mailbox, the the voter application, uh, the absentee ballot application. 
And so it basically eliminates a step to where you don't have to go online and download it and fill it in and send it in. Uh, it just comes in your mail. So you could technically just either fill it out and mail it back in, or you can even submit it electronically by email, the registration, and then the ballot will come back to you here in a few weeks. I've even seen that you can just put this in the mail without a stamp. Is that right? That's what we're hearing. Uh, there was a story recently uh, in the AJC uh, that noted that that quoted some uh, postal uh, workers and postal officials saying that if it has that official marking of the ballot or election business on it, that they'll go ahead and deliver it. They said they would bill the counties later, which will be interesting because counties are already um, uh, having to absorb a lot of costs from elections. Um, but apparently it will get there. But uh, there's also some controversy about um, is it fair to make people have to uh, shell out money, even if it's just 55 cents, uh, to take part in the democratic process? Sure. And this whole move towards encouraging more mail-in voting hasn't been without political controversy too, correct? That's right. Um, right as we started to see this push toward mail-in voting because of uh, safety concerns with the coronavirus, we started to hear uh, top GOP officials um, start to sound some alarm bells with regards to mail-in voting. Um, they kind of made uh, references to voter fraud, even though there's not a lot of specific evidence uh, that points toward voter fraud because of mail-in voting. Uh, the last really big uh, incident we saw with some improprieties uh, because of mail-in voting was in North Carolina a couple years ago, where an election had actually had to be thrown out, but it wasn't really voters that's really the last big case we've seen. So Republicans have really, uh, starting from the president, uh, President Trump on down, have have started to sound some alarm bells without citing a lot of specific evidence. Um, Democrats are all for mail-in voting. They think this really uh, gives people the chance to take part in the process without having to to go out of their house. And so, do we have any sense of how this has gone so far? If this is something that's already in place to a certain degree in Georgia, people already can mail and vote. Is that normally a significant amount of the total number of ballots cast? Uh, we don't have official numbers at this point, although we have heard uh, some evidence from counties that they're getting a lot of completed applications back. Uh, from what we're hearing, it's normally about 7%. So it's not, uh, it's not a ton. Um, and so I think we'll see, I don't know how big of an increase, but I think from, from the early reports we're hearing, we will see somewhat of an increase. It could be a large one, could be, uh, uh, you know, just a percentage or two. Um, but, but we do expect to see a higher than normal absentee ballots and absentee applications coming in. This has me thinking about states like Oregon and Colorado, where vote by mail has actually been pretty successful and, and pretty popular. Is that in Georgia's future, having a majority of our ballots cast by mail? I'm being told that no, this is not a, a transition to uh, vote by mail uh, as, a, as a rule and as a standard here in Georgia, as we've seen in, in a handful of other states, like you mentioned, Oregon and Colorado. Um, I'm being told this is a temporary emergency measure. Um, those states that have the um, the absentee mail-in rates of between 90 and 95 percent. Those are states that have really introduced this system over a course of five, six, seven years. Um, really, we're being told that this is a, a temporary one-time type deal. 
And we've seen all these delays in the primaries so far. Can we expect more at this point? I mean, are these dates, June 9th and May 18th for for early voting, are these set in stone? This is the last delay, and it all comes down to the election cycle. The runoffs for this June 9th primary are now set for August, and that's really getting close to the time where the ballots have to be finalized for the November general elections. So any more delay in this primary process would really start to mess with the November elections, preparing for those, and you don't want anything that's going to encroach on that schedule of getting ready uh, for the November elections. And I'm wondering, Emil, at this point, I know it's it's very far out, but are people already talking about contingency plans for November in the event that we are still in some kind of lockdown because of the pandemic? I think this could be kind of a trial run. What we're seeing here in uh, with the primaries could be uh, kind of a, a harbinger of what we could expect a November election to look like if the shutdown is all still in place. I think increased mail voting with some limited in-person voting for those who don't have access to mail-in voting or just would feel more comfortable uh, casting their vote in person. Um, So I think what we see now, what we see happen in June with these primary elections, uh, could really set the stage for what a November election could look like if we're still pretty much uh, in our homes and confined to, uh, to avoiding large groups. Another new reality we all have to get used to. Absolutely. It's, uh, we thought that the election of 2020 was going to be the, the big story. Boy, were we wrong. Emil Moffat covers voting for WABE. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us at Wash your hands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also rate us and leave us a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If y'all haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.